now things are kind of you know they're moving forward we are super excited super positive things are like looking great and then suddenly the company declares bankruptcy a government company declares bankruptcy hello fellow risk takers and welcome to my worst investment ever stories of loss to keep you winning In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risks. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. And that mission has led me to create the Become a Better Investor community. In the community, you get access to our global asset allocation strategies and stock portfolios and our investment research, weekly live sessions, and the risk reduction lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now. to learn more fellow risk takers this is your worst podcast host andrew stotts from a stotts academy and i'm here with featured guests mihir kaltar kar are you ready to join the mission yes i am <laughs> i botched up your last name can you say it properly sure kaltar kar kaltar kar that's correct there we go i'm working on it So I want to, you know, introduce you to the audience and I also I want to learn from you. There's some things that I think are interesting about what you're doing, particularly as a finance guy. I'm not good at sales and understanding that type of stuff. So I'm interested to learn a bit more about you, but before we get into that little brief discussion, I want to just introduce you to the audience. So Mihir is a highly accomplished and global award-winning trainer. Ted X and keynote speaker and an author with a rich experience spanning 22 years. He delivers sessions in his unique and engaging way and has a proven track record of enhancing performance and growing revenues spanning sectors and industries. In the past two decades he has conducted more than 2000 live sessions in 12 countries and inspired hundreds of thousands of people. Mihir's life purpose is to add value to people's lives and he is featured among the top 20 global trainers in sales in 2021 and was recently awarded Master Trainer Pride of India negotiation skills people and media call him smiling buddha of sales and Mr Sales for his wisdom and knowledge in the domain my goodness why don't you take a minute Mihir and tell us about the unique value that you bring to this wonderful world So um, thank you very much for that introduction Andrew what i feel is that when i was in school and when i was in college i never used to attend these lectures and the reason for that was the professors they had immense knowledge but they were not able to share that knowledge and make us understand the value of that knowledge or make us feel excited about learning new things and that somehow became a very a trigger point for me and i said i need to do something about it physics chemistry math you know all the subjects history geography whichever subjects that you look into whatever we have learned in school whatever we have learned in college most of us do not use it in the practical life currently and that got me thinking what are the what are the things which people should actually know and if you look at it sales and negotiation that is something that we should be aware of right at the early stage of our career because sales is not just about business sales is not just about making money sales is about convincing 
Sales is about influencing. It is how you put forward your point across. And that requires these skills. So selling and negotiation, I believe, is something which everyone should be aware of. If you go for interviews, you are selling. If you even while, while proposing someone, you are still selling your personality. <laughs> so it is not just a skill which is for business, but it is also a skill for your personal life. And that's what I have been doing. I, I add value to people's lives and I share with them the kind of fundamentals which are there for sales and which are the advanced methods which people can use, which are tried, tested and proven. If they are into business, how can they just implement that particular model and increase their sales? Mm. And out of all of your you know, knowledge on this topic and all the discussions that you've had and the teaching that you've done, what would be, you know, I don't know, one or two little tidbits that could help our audience? Let's think about people like myself. You know, we're good. We're technically good. Maybe an engineer could be a financial guy, man or woman. But, you know, sales isn't our strong suit. What would be one or two things that you could help us to improve ourselves in that area? Sure. So there is a golden rule of sales. And it's the golden rule is 30-70. So whenever you are putting across your point, whenever you would want to convince someone of something, you should be speaking only 30% of the time, 70% of the time, the other person should be speaking. Now, this is something which, which is very unorthodox. Today, if you go to buy, you go to in a store maybe and to buy maybe a TV, you go in over there and you say that, okay, I'm looking out for a TV. What would the person say? The salesperson would go ahead and say that, okay, this is the TV, blah, 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 blah. And then this is the TV and this has got this feature, this feature, blah, 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 blah. Who talks more? It is the salesperson. And what should ideally happen is that the salesperson should be asking a lot of questions. And those questions should be appropriately positioned to gain insights and answers as to what exactly am I looking out for. When the other person would do that, I would feel saying, okay, this person is really interested in knowing about what my likes, what my dislikes are. And this person will then help me to make a right decision. So that's a consultative approach. And most salespeople lack this. They think that, okay, this is the knowledge I have gained. I have gone through a product training. I've gone through a process training. I know about all the features. So I'm going to go ahead and share everything that I know. Okay. And that's, I think that's where people fail. Mm. You know, that's interesting because recently, I mean, I've read all kinds of sales books and marketing books and I have a one of my one of my products is a course called the Valuation Masterclass Boot Camp. Now the boot camp is tough, very very tough. In fact, it's so tough that for the listeners out there, they don't see that I'm wearing a drill instructor's hat because in the boot camp, it's tough. Uh-huh. But <laughs> one of the things that I realized early on is that I wanted to tell the students where I could take them, so I. I had a, a visual of a mountaintop and I was voted a number one analyst and I started at zero. So I explained like, this is my journey and I went up this mountain and I got to here and I've designed the valuation masterclass to help you get there faster. And I think, you know, that was step number one is that I needed to kind of explain what you're going to get from this. But what I realized recently is there's something missing. And what's missing is I visualize like a mountain, a mountain that, that's surrounded by lots of different topographies. So people at the bottom of the mountain want to get to the top. But some of them are down in a valley really, really low, and they see a huge 
challenge. There's other people that are on another part of the mountain or a side of the mountain where they're, they're up pretty close. So they're not too far. There's another people that there's a river they got to cross before they reach the mountain. And what I realized is that, you know, I wasn't connecting with people where they were. And so therefore, if their story didn't match my story, like I had a good education and I had a good upbringing or whatever that was, and, you know, and I love studying and I love reading. And so I just, if their story isn't that, then it's hard for them to visualize how I'm going to help them get up to the top of the mountain. So I've spent some time recently identifying, let's say, four types of people, like a recent student, a recent grad from university, a, a financial professional who's struggling to really make an impact, and an engineer or an accountant that wants to switch from their current industry to start to work in finance, you know, these types of things. And now I've realized I have to kind of I have to listen to what my prior students in that group, where I may have 10 students that are in that group, listen to what they're saying, what were their fears, what were their challenges. And then I need to not tell my story, but tell their story of, let me tell you about a few people who were in your same situation. They're an engineer and they want to become a financial person. Well, let me introduce you to so-and-so who felt the exact same way. They took the course and now they work in finance. True. So true. Because... They also say that, you know, there is one radio channel that everyone listens to. And that radio channel is WIIFM. So it's YFM. That is what's in it for me. And every single person is tuned into that channel. So people do not care how much you know, what do you know, but they care when you talk to them about themselves. And when, when you do that, they automatically tune into that channel and they are much more receptive towards listening to what you have to say. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to WIIFM, our <laughs> station specifically for you. The station you never leave. You're always here because what you care about is what is in it for me. Love it. <laughs> great, great stuff. Okay, well, I, I like that. So we've learned the 30-70 that we should be talking 30% and, and letting the client or the potential customer talk 70. And, and then you also talked about consultative where you're asking questions. And I think that's also the thing. And then finally, what you've told us is that people care about what's in it for me. They don't care about your knowledge. They don't care about that. They care about what am I going to gain from this? So I think those are some great tidbits and nuggets. And now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment, thinking it will be. Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it, and tell us your story. <laughs> Absolutely. I will tell you, Andrew, first of all, you know, this, this has been um, when this particular question came in. It's very difficult to go ahead and answer that question right away. The reason being is that I have made so many mistakes in my life. It was very hard to single out which one should I go for. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> So this is one particular story which I would share, a very interesting story. Now, I have been in training domain for a very long time, 22 years, but I used to head training departments of organizations earlier. I used to increase, like I used to train the employees in the organization and you know, grow their sales. It was six years ago, I decided to start off on my own. So I was working for a company which was a luxury real estate company headquartered in Dubai, and they had more than 800 sales professionals. I was with them for one year, 
and I managed to increase their turnover by 4.5 billion dirhams <laughs> in just one year. When that happened in, I said, this is it. My knowledge should not be restricted just to one organization. It belongs to the world. And that's when I took the risk and I said, okay, let me start on my own. So from Dubai, I used to stay in Dubai for almost about seven years. From Dubai, I came down to India and I said, let me register the company over here. I registered the company. And that time I was full of hope. I was saying that, okay, I'm going to give myself six months to set up the organization, to start you know, doing the groundwork and everything. And in probably six months time, I would have gained some X number of clients at least to fund my organization. So I started from zero without any investment. I did my websites, I did social media, I did outlines, I used to go for client meetings, I used to do marketing, I used to do every single thing. One man show. Now, slowly and gradually, things started kind of moving. And I was saying that, okay, at least you know, some kind of business is coming in. And when the business started coming in, I invested all the money back into the business for marketing purposes. I got hold of a partner in Mauritius. So there was this guy who I know of, I knew him since 2001. And this guy said, Mihir, you are doing some great work. We would love to have you in Mauritius. And I'm sure that organizations in Mauritius would be greatly benefited by what you have to offer. And I said, fantastic. That's a great opportunity. So I said, let me go to Mauritius. We arranged for some training sessions. The training sessions went on very well. And he said, Mihir, I have a potential client. This client is a huge client. It's a government company. So you come down over there, you meet them. So I went over there, met, and they had amazing requirements. So they said, Mir, we want this, we want this, we want this, we want this. And I was like, wow. I, I kind of mentally calculated the profits. It would have been in millions. And that is in a span of maybe about 45 days. I was like, wow. I am on track. Okay. So you know, just started off a company, a company is just heading somewhere. I'm barely managing my expenses and, and all of that. And then suddenly this big, huge opportunity that too in Mauritius. So my mind started going crazy. I was thinking that, okay, Mauritius, I have been there once. It's a beautiful place. I would love to settle over there. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm now getting a contract from a government company and that is, I'm going to make profits in millions right now. So now you know, the, my, my way of thinking changed. I used to dream about it all the time. Once that meeting happened in, I gave them a proposal. After the proposal, they said, Mihir, come down, let's meet again. I went again, met them. Yeah. Then they said, okay, this, everything sounds great right now some modifications to the proposal. I did that as well. And they said, Mir, we are looking out for the session to start another two months time. So I said, great, This you know, everything sounds great. I said, final part, let's go ahead with the negotiations. We went ahead with the negotiations as well. I had, all, I had obviously kept my margins over there and I knew that there would be some negotiations because it was a huge contract. So I said, okay, negotiations also done. They were okay with the negotiated price as well. And I was super happy. So I'm already building castles in my head. My partner was super excited too. So my partner was working for an organization and he said, Mir, 
know, I see a great potential over here. I'm also going to quit and we are going to go full time into it. And I said, sure, I think we should, we should look at that because there is great potential. I see that, you know, this kind of interest, which is coming in. So I said, Meer, I think we should already, we should start looking at setting up an office building over here. We should have a training room and everything. I said, okay, should we take it slow? I said, no, right now the contract is almost on the verge of finalizing. So let's go ahead and do that. We started looking out for properties. We said we want to hire or we want to lease a one entire building, <laughs> not an office, a building. Okay. Think big. <laughs> Think big, right? And he said, Mir, I'm getting a great deal. If we sign a lease for two years, we are going to get a great deal. I said, great, let's do that. Yeah. And then he said, Mir, we do not have you know, any furniture because it's going to be an unfurnished place. So let's start looking out for furniture. And we started looking out for furniture from China. We placed an order over there. Yeah. <laughs> and now things are kind of, you know, they're moving forward. We are super excited, super positive. Things are like looking great. And then suddenly the company declares bankruptcy. A government company declares bankruptcy. The politics, so the company was such that it was a loss-making company. It was not a profit-making company. But the government was funding that company for a long time. But because of some change in political scenario, the government said that we are not going to invest anything in this organization now. And guess what happened? <laughs> Obviously, the contract just froze, finished, gone. <laughs> just a piece of paper. Yes, absolutely. It's just gone, finish. And we had no clue what to do. The thing which happened during that particular point of time is that when we got to know that this, this contract is of such huge amount, the kind of efforts that I was putting in for marketing, those efforts had also kind of stopped. Because I said, now we are going to get that money. And once that money comes in, we will invest this part into, into the marketing. We will hire an agency. Let the agency do all that stuff. We are not going to get into all of the nitty gritties. And our dreams crashed. The business idea crashed. Everything just you know, crashed. I was super, um, I wouldn't use the word demotivated because I was still hoping that probably the political scenario will change and the contract will come back again. <laughs> <laughs> you were praying. You became more religious. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened to the building and the, the furniture from China? And... <laughs> So building part of it, fortunately, uh, we were able to you know, close that particular lease and we did not have to pay, pay a lot over there. Considering the furniture part of it, we sold that furniture. <laughs> but those were the dreams. I think that that was one of the worst investments ever in my life. What was the time period that all this happened? About eight months. Okay. Right from the beginning till the end. And when was the, like, the worst day, the worst time? Was it when you, how did you find out that the company was bankrupt? Or when was the worst time that you realized, okay, this is a serious problem now? So that particular point of time, I was back in India. So after finishing the meetings and everything, I was back in India. And my partner, he's a local Mauritian. Over there in Mauritius, such kind of news. So this is a government company going bankrupt. So such kind of news is announced on the radio and it keeps on playing over there 
and then people have their opinions about it and other politicians will jump in and they will talk about it so it was a big deal it was a very big deal and it was going on on radio and tv for almost about like 3 or 4 days okay so this partner of mine he called me and said meer guess what happened i said what happened i thought that we won the contract and we are going ahead with it like the dates are finalized i said the company went bankrupt i said come on you're joking like no this is serious and i had no i had no answer to it i had no answer it took time for for things to sink in right and and realize that oh this has happened <laughs> uh so how would it was you, devastating <laughs> yeah how would you uh summarize the lessons that you learned from this experience ah i i would feel that don't count your chickens before they are hatched <laughs> yes that's got to be the biggest lesson or i guess the other one we say is a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush yes absolutely absolutely i mean even today so i've learned that lesson and that i think it was a huge learning for me even today whenever i get any kind of requirement from an organization or any kind of contracts or any any of that sort i always think through saying that till the time the money does not hit the account till that time it is still not closed mm that's a good lesson for everybody yeah till the money's in the account absolutely so yep. even if they sign the contract or even if they give a verbal approval or even if it, the approval is on mail an email saying that okay this is finalized and everything till the time the money is not in the account it is not a close mm. what a lesson <laughs> and i think that's a lesson for everyone maybe i'll share some of my takeaways from uh-huh. this story i'm reminded of the book the e-myth by michael gerber who's now 84 years old and has written you know such a great book and he talks about the entrepreneurial seizure when you just it's uncontrollable when you get so excited about your idea you'll do anything <laughs> because it's all going to be amazing and so the challenge is is to you know how do you deal with that when you're in that seizure people don't listen and i think for all of us you know a big lesson is is that to know when when a business idea sweeps into your mind it can take you over and you don't listen to people and you know you think you know what what's right and you know you think you know what customers want but the reality is is that it's brutally hard out there and it's just it's just hard so many things can fail so be careful not to get in the entrepreneurial seizure but i think a, another lesson i want to share is a story of mine and this is to tell the audience and yourself it's not even when the money's in the bank when i was a young guy i was about 17 turning 18 i bought a motorcycle off of another guy and his name was tim hutchison and we both grew up in a town called hudson ohio and he had a motorcycle and i finally had saved up enough cash that i could buy it and so it was a lot of money for me i don't know probably $400 or $600 or whatever and basically I didn't trust him and I didn't know who to trust so I just said look he said my mom's going to write a check and I said good let's go to the, down to the bank we'll cash that check once the check's cashed then the cash will go into my account and then I'll sign the title and then you can take the motorcycle great done went to the bank everything was fine the check came he brought it with him said ready bank said this check is good they deposited the cash into my bank account I signed over the bike And then he left with the motorcycle. Done. 
The next day, I got a phone call from the bank. And they said, you know that $700 that we deposited in your account? You need to come back today and, you know, you need to give it. Because I took it out of the bank, you know, pretty quickly. They said, you need to bring that back and give it to us. I was like, what? How? Wait, everything was cashed. They said, nope, his mother put a stop on that check and she has three days to get her cash back. Wow. <laughs> so I went down to the bank with the $700 and I gave the money back to them. And then I went to him and said, hey, give me the bike back. And he said, no. Oh. You've already signed it over to me. It's mine now. And I had to take him to court and eventually I won. But getting the motorcycle or getting anything from him was, you know, it's one thing to have a judgment. But I, I just learned a lesson that, you know, really you got to focus on the cash. And it sometimes can take a couple of days that you got to wait with that cash in there to make sure that the deal's done. So that's my little crazy story about it's not even always safe when the cash is in the bank. So, so let me ask you, based upon what you learned from this story, and I want you to think about listeners out there that do have their great business idea. And, and your business idea wasn't bad. You know, I don't think it was a bad idea, but you got caught up in a sh very shiny headlight, you know, True. like... And so think about the people that are out there in that position. What one action would you recommend that they take to avoid suffering the same fate? So I think when, when we start off a business, we always think saying that it is going to be successful. And yes, it can be successful, provided you have a plan. You should not be just relying on hopes. There has to be a structured plan and you say that, okay, let me take one step at a time. Something great comes up in between, which is unexpected. Great. It's wonderful. Always have that room for miracles to happen. And miracles do happen. But when they do happen, don't deviate from your plan. So if miracles are happening, accept it. If it happens, well and good. But when that is happening, don't deviate from what you were doing. Because... Those were the pillars which have got you till that miracle. If you stop doing that, the miracles also are, are not going to happen. So keep doing your work. If the miracles are happening, hope for the best of it. Be optimistic about it. But at the same time, be realistic also about it. Instead of getting just caught in that moment and saying that, okay, you know what? My life is now changed. Like I have won a big lottery and this is it. Finish. I don't have to work anymore. Drop you know? all that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. continue doing your work if you work for money i think it's a big loss to your talent if you work to share knowledge to inspire others to do something good for the world and your business model revolves around it to add more value to other people i think that is a great successful model even if you do not make like a lot of money or if even if these miracles do not happen you can sleep very peacefully. You can sleep very content saying that today I did my best to, to fulfill my life purpose and I'm happy about it. Well, I think if we all feel that every day, we'd have an amazing life. So that's a real challenge, I think, for, the, for everybody listening to, to try to figure out how you are living your best life every day cool. and that you can go to bed and sleep well. So what is a resource that you'd recommend for our listeners? So one thing which I would recommend for our listeners is invest a lot of time in learning about communication. This is one of the most underrated skill. We have not been 
taught how to communicate. We know how to speak, but we don't know how to communicate well. And if you are able to communicate well, all your problems in the life, they can be solved very easily. Whether it's business, whether it's personal, it is all about communication. And some of the resources, so Alan Pease is one of the author I would highly recommend because he has got several books. He talks so much about how there is there has been a DNA-based learning. Like today, why people smile? And there is a reason for that. People don't know why, why people smile. And they say that, okay, smile is positive. But why smile is positive? That answer is probably not known. And those kind of answers you would get in that particular book. And if you know the science behind it, then I believe that communication is much more easier. The rapport building is much faster and people feel connected. So that's one resource which I would definitely share. It has been a life-changing resource for me as well. So, yeah. It's a great one. Yeah, it wasn't his, his book was about body language. I can't remember what, yes. what was some of the... Yep. Alan Pease. Yes. So Alan Pease and Barbara Pease. Barbara Pease is his wife. Yeah. I must have had a book over here as well. And I'm looking at his website right now. I'm seeing why men don't listen and women can't read. Oh, there you go. This is another one. Why men lie and women cry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Well, that's great. Great idea. So last question. What is your number one goal for the next 12 months? So in the next 12 months, I have currently trained in 12 countries. And my goal for the next year is to make that number till 15. That's a very realistic goal in one year's time, getting into three new countries, easily doable. Even if there are challenges that would come in, I think I would be able to hit that. So, yep, that's that's my goal, getting into new countries. Beautiful. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet joined the Become a Better Investor community, just go to myworstinvestmentever.com to learn more. As we conclude, Mahir, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of A Stats Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? So plan your work and work your plan. Most people plan a lot, but they don't put in efforts uh, to work on that particular plan. If there are challenges that that may happen, those challenges should also be a part of your plan. And there has to be a way out. There has to be a plan B to it. So always keep that in mind, whether it's business, uh, whether it's your personal life. And here's a book. Oh, wow. (laughs) That I wrote (laughs) called Plan Your Work and work your plan. Awesome. awesome. And this, this is my calendar book that I created for myself based upon reading every book I could about time management and management. And I call it plan your work, work your plan. <laughs> That's There's awesome. probably no way you could have known that because I don't sell much of it. I just use it in my <laughs> business and in my life. But yes, I totally agree with that advice. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.